You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. I'm Emerson Malone. I'm a podcast producer with The Daily Emerald. In this episode, I speak with Tony Glousey, a University of Oregon graduate teaching fellow, jazz instructor, trumpet player, keyboardist, and a guy with many, many, many hats. My name is Tony Glousey. I'm a trumpeter, a keyboardist, a composer, music producer, and I'm a graduate teaching fellow at the University of Oregon, and I have six months more until I complete my master's degree. You're 22 and you're already in grad school? I just zip, I just, I just zip through. <laughs> How fast did I undergrad go for you? A few years. Okay, I think I read that actually. Yeah, I just moved fast to get things done. Did you just top load a bunch of credits into each No, term? I just, I already knew how to do everything in the first two years of the music core here, so I just tested out of all of that. That's like theory, oral skills, and keyboard skills. So like, I grew up playing piano, and I grew up like writing music and studying theory, so I already could do those things, and so I tested out of that, which got me into the sophomore program, whatever you call it, sophomore classes, or whatever, of the curriculum. So I guess I'll start now and then zip backwards and then sort of work my way back here. Um, So currently, GTF, what are you teaching this term? I'm teaching technically one class, and that's the uh, Jazz Lab Band 2, and we meet Monday, Wednesday, Friday at noon, and that's a performance ensemble, right? So we rehearse three times a week, and we give one to three uh, performances, and it's great. It's a big band. We're playing sort of classic swing literature and just learning how to groove together. So nice. it's, it's fun. Undergrad yeah. students? All undergrad, yeah. How All many of them? Graduates could take it. I think 20, actually. Nice. But y- you've taught music before, mm-hmm. right? Is there like a certain, have you just taught every skill level or is it mostly beginners or intermediate? Well, I mean, I've never taught somebody better than me, I guess. Yeah. I mean, because that's just kind of awkward. Uh, but I have been, like last year I was directing a small jazz ensemble. And, you know, I mean, even now I, I have people older than me. You know, I got people that are 28, you know, in my big band. And that's not uncomfortable at all um, because I, I think my musical experience is you know, superior to theirs, otherwise we we wouldn't be in the roles that we're in, right? Um, But, yeah, I mean, I've taught, right now I have a, uh, I have like a 60-year-old, the oldest person I've taught is like 65, like private lessons on piano, or maybe 63, something like that. And then um, I also have a four-year-old trumpet student right now, so I've taught a wide range of people. Four-year-old's a private lesson, uh, I imagine. Yeah, private lesson, not like a lecture. Undergrad. <laughs> yeah, graduate in chemistry. <laughs> um, so, yeah, taught wide age range and pretty wide skill range. I mean, I got people, um, it's kind of weird. I've had, I've given, I've, I feel fortunate to have given private lessons to people who are in my bands. You know, like I call them to play gigs. Nice. Which means like I think that they're great. But they come to me and they're like, hey, I just really want to know a little bit about, like, your approach to composition. And I'll be like, oh, okay. And, yeah, I just, like, I want to take a lesson from you. I think, okay. So, you know, th- what I'm trying to say is I, I, I teach people that I feel like are at my level, too. When did you when did you start teaching? When I was 14. Really? Yeah, okay. so I was a freshman in high school, and my trumpet teacher at the time said, you should start teaching lessons. And I was like, uh, okay, I guess. So I started teaching. I thought this kid was 11 years old, so I was, like, three years older than him. Which, you know, when you're 60 and your student's 57, like, you're basically the same age. But I guess way back then, that's a pretty big difference, you know, being a freshman in high school, being a sixth grader. So I was teaching kids to play for the first time. 
And I did that all throughout high school. Most of my students were middle school students. So since you were 14, so about eight years now? Yeah. Is there any unifying lesson you find yourself, you keep having to teach people? I know people are different skill levels and yeah. experiences and everything. Do you ever find yourself keep having to t- teach the, the same like particular lesson to students over and over again? I mean, everybody's got to learn how to breathe better and use their air better. And that's just like a very trumpet-specific thing. That's not a very musical thing. Uh, I think that is a theme. Like circular breathing? Not circular breathing, just, just to just to really take a breath and use it the right way to play your instrument. I mean, because it's different than we breathe just to speak. Like right now, I, I don't have a lot of air in me, you know? And like maybe now I do, and I'm not talking any better because it doesn't really feel right because it's like too much air. So you kind of have to let some out, right? So sometimes people will play their instrument like they're talking, and there's just not enough air in you really to, to play it like that. Right. So, and that's, that's one thing that I'm always, I mean, I'm still learning that myself, really. It's just like how to, how to, how to take better breaths and use your breaths to make a better sound, you know? So that, that comes up all the time. Do you remember when you first learned that or that you need to... I think it was in high school. Yeah. Like the middle of my high school, like 15 or 16, um, I had a pretty good teacher who, I don't think he harped on that a lot, but the things he was asking me to do sort of demanded that I get my air under control. I also had a teacher who... Um, actually had me practice breathing with a metronome, which is actually something mm. I've been doing the, just these last several weeks, just by chance. I just like, man, I should start breathing with a metronome again. It sounds stupid, but like, if you breathe in for eight clicks or whatever, maybe four and out for eight, you know, I mean, you'll realize like, well, that's kind of hard. And it's not that it's hard, and that's not the interesting thing. What's interesting is that if you do that over and over again, you, you start to notice how when you're playing music, you're taking appropriate breaths for the phrase you're gonna play next, right? It sounds meditative. Yeah, it is kind of meditative. It's very simple. So that's something that's come up over and over again. I think the other thing comes up, and this is just more musical and less trumpet-specific, but it's just um, like sh- like I, I feel like students need, and myself too, need to learn how to like just shut off your mind and just play you uh, because we all get inside of our heads and are thinking about all the things that we've been practicing. You know, we go to play, I've got students that go to play and they, they're so inside their head they can't even play through a measure of music without like freaking out or thinking, oh, I messed up. And I'm always just trying to get people, again, myself too, to just like, you know, get up on stage or whatever, just take a big breath and just... excite or like, energize or whatever you know do you sense so. that in in the students in in your jazz lab just like sort of general neurosis among their their personalities i don't i don't think so so much um i think jazz just in general is a pretty relaxed music and especially in i mean if you were to sit in an our rehearsal you'd see it's very relaxed that doesn't mean i just sit around and like twiddle my thumbs like we're serious about the music that we're making but it's a relaxed atmosphere, and so I don't think anybody in there is like uncomfortable or like neurotic. Um, but I think if if and when those people start to perform like very frequently, and they start to see like things go well and things not go well, if they're not careful, like I was clearly doing something wrong, right? If they're not careful, they can just get into a rut where they're like just kind of just depressed about music. You know what I mean? Yeah because they can't see all the success that they are having or, or or whatever, you know, and you just you just get like 
caught up by, you know, being hung up by your inabilities. Yeah, you right. Know, which everybody has. Let me change gears. Yeah. What was going on when you started the Shed Youth Jazz Orchestra? And are you still involved with it? Yeah, so that the Shed asked me to join their faculty in j- July or something. So I've been there over half a year now. And uh, so I've been a trumpet instructor. Just last summer? Yeah, last summer. Since a few years ago, I've been performing. Pretty much since, since I moved to town, I've been performing in show productions there. Yeah. Whether they were produced by the, the Shed or, you know, produced by another artist who just asked me to play with them. So I've, I've always been working with them, and now I'm on their faculty as a trumpet instructor. And I had the idea in September, we don't have in Eugene what I grew up playing in, and that's like conglomerate high school, like youth jazz orchestras, where kids can come and play in an ensemble that is hopefully, you know, better than their own, and that's playing, you know, challenging repertoire and performing at real venues, and, you know, it's like a real band. And, and the kids get to meet each other and they get to work with somebody who's an actual jazz player, like, in the scene, you know? So how big is it? So it's a big band. It's, like, 15 people. And they're all between age 14 and 18. And it's great. Um, we've had a few rehearsals. So it started in early January. And, yeah, they're swinging hard. And it's just going to be fun. So it's a new thing. And I think it's, I think it will, well, I hope that it will be something that lasts you know, long time. Yeah. Because they're, like I said, there are these bands that I grew up playing in Portland and, and other bands that I didn't even play in, um, even just in the Portland area, that have been around for a long time and have been doing that sort of thing where kids can go, you know, like I used to go on Monday nights to the Portland Youth Jazz Orchestra, Paijo, and then on Saturdays I went to the Metropolitan Youth Symphony Jazz Band, MYS. And those are the two bands I did. But all those bands got to, you know, play in national competitions and do some traveling, and they perform at, like, real music venues. And you got to work with other people that were your age that had your same passions. And you also got to work with professionals that were actually in the industry. Your bio said you grew up in a musical, or maybe some some, some written piece yeah. about you. It said musical family, yeah. everybody but your dad plays an instrument. I mean, it's not really true, because he, he does play. I mean, he, he grew up in a musical family. All my grandparents were, at one point, a professional musician. You know, they played in symphonies, operas, jazz bands. I actually have my, my grandpa's cornet from oh, was the nice. 1930s. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, he but that was back in the day when you could kind of just be a hobby you know, it was, like, more common, I think, to just kind of, like, play in a jazz band for <laughs> for fun. So yeah. he wasn't, like, I mean, he was, a, he was like, a doctor. You know, that's what he did. And my other grandpa just, like, worked in the oil industry. So he, he but he was a professional jazz drummer for years until he was, like, 25. So it's on both sides of your Both family? sides, yeah. Nice. So both of them, my grandparents played jazz, one of them trumpet, one of them drums. And they were serious about it, too. And then my, my uh, other grand, my grandmas both played piano. And then the one of them was actually in the Eugene Symphony, the violin section, for, for years, like 20 years or something. And then my mom plays, grew up playing piano, tons of piano. So uh, I have five siblings. We all play piano. And then they all play another instrument, too. So there's, like, clarinet, saxophone, trumpet, flute, violin, and oboe now. So do you guys have family jam sessions? I mean, kind of. Like, I think that's, like, a dreamy thing that people always, like, ask. It doesn't really happen because, I mean, when when we are together, it's, like, time to not make music because we're always like making music somewhere else yeah i mean i'm so far the only person that's really actively pursued music but i'm also the second oldest so there's only been three out of the six that have graduated high school so one of them's in the film industry one of them's kind of undecided and then it looks like the one who's about to graduate high school is probably going to go into music uh, my brother too he's fifth out of six 
and he he's in the Westland jazz band right now. Okay. He's good. He's great. And you know, he might go into music. I don't know. My younger sister. You're the know. only one She's on trumpet, trumpet though. Only one on trumpet. Yeah. Yeah. And you you picked it up because okay, you started on on keys, but you mm-hmm. saw your cousin was playing trumpet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a cousin who was just kind of casual about it, but he was very good. Like he was abnormally like good at the trumpet, and so I used to, I got to see him play really just at he lived in California so really just like family gatherings just every once in a while we're in California I'm just curious Santa Barbara okay I moved to Eugene from Santa Barbara actually that's funny you know this guy Randy 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 I mean you know he's like 30 maybe maybe we've crossed paths (laughs) so that inspired you that inspired me yeah I mean it it wasn't was it a private thing you saw him or is it like a professional or a live performance oh yeah it was just like he, you know, like I said, he just kind of did it, you know, like in, in high school. Yeah. But he was good. I mean, like he could improvise in the whole thing. And so that just got me kind of interested about the trumpet. I remember seeing that. I mean, it's like when you're eight or whatever, you know, you're really thinking, you know, into the future and thinking philosophically about things. I mean, not really. You're just like, I like that. It's shiny. I want it. You know what I mean? So I think I was just eight and I was like, that's cool. I want that. I don't Do you think your relationship with the trumpet has changed at all? Oh, totally. I mean, I But think... isn't it still shiny and you still want it? Yeah, but... It's also annoying, and it's also work, you know? Not that I don't love it. I mean, I love making music, but it's different. I mean, yeah. so when I was eight, so what I did is I, I, went, I bought a plastic trumpet from a store because I don't know why, but my parents were like, no, you, you're too young to play that. It was like 60 bucks, and actually, if you press down a valve, it was so stupid. There were three valves, right? If you press down a valve, it actually played a song out of this plastic trumpet. It was so dumb. And then the second one played a different song, the third one played a different song. So I would just walk around with this thing, I'm like, Man, this is the best. Playing taps. Uh, look how killing this is. I got this plastic trumpet. And then, um, I guess, you know, when I was 10, I think it was for my birthday, I got a trumpet. Nice. A student model, little Yamaha Jupiter thing. And I started taking lessons. My first trumpet teacher was rock solid and got me doing the right things. And, yeah, and I just, I kept going. And, I mean, people are always like, well, you must have been super serious about music when you were young. I mean, not really. I mean, I think I had a knack for it. I wasn't, and I liked it. That was my favorite thing to do, but I wasn't so serious about it. I mean, I hear kids now, sometimes they're 13, 14, way better than I was. But that doesn't mean anything about what they'll be in 10 years. Right. Nor did my sort of just like gift for music, but sort of apathy towards, you know, really digging in and, and working hard. That That didn't say anything about where I'd be 10 years from then either, right? So, so like, at that age, like, it was mostly, like, a hobby. Yeah, it was just fun. Yeah. I mean, think, well, like I said, I mean, when you're 11, you're not, like, thinking <laughs> into the future yeah. and, like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this with my life. But you're just like, I like this or I don't like this. I mean, kids are pretty simple. So, say, 8, 10, this, this formative musical experience, do you remember, like, what your friends were listening to at the time and whether you felt left out? Like, were you listening to jazz at the time? No, I was listening to pop. Okay. Yeah, I grew up listening to pop, but I mean, I grew up listening to like I had there were like ten albums, maybe twelve that my family had on repeat. One of them was a Glenn Miller record. That's big band, so I was definitely listening to that. That's jazz. One of them was Kind of Blue. I liked that album. Actually, Kind of Blue wasn't on rotation until I had a uncle or something that gave it to me when I was like nine or ten. He like knew I was interested in the trumpet. Nice. And then that became something that I listened to. That was kind of like the first jazz album I really checked out yeah i didn't like a lot of jazz but i like kind of blue i remember my sister came home with a coltrane record and i hated it it was it was like not even very out there it was like just some bebop or some swing and i was like i just 
I don't know, something about it just kind of bugged me. But when you're eight, like, what are you supposed to, you know, you don't know anything. It's like, you know, bitter tea or coffee or something or, or you know, those things like a seven-year-old doesn't want Wait that. Wait till it's like yeah. you're depressed freshman year of yeah. college. And then, then you're, you're like, yeah, man, take it back. Blue train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, actually, I think it was Blue Train. That was part of the album. Um, I feel like that one's more palatable than It is Love so Supreme. palatable. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's so palatable and somehow, I don't know. So, but I, I listened to that. There was an Aretha Franklin album that I was all about. Um, and I, I listened to loads of Stevie Wonder and Michael Jackson. Those were kind of, and Earth, Wind, and Fire. Those were kind of like, nice. the and, and Queen, actually. And a little bit of Led Zeppelin. My mom didn't like it so much, but my dad was cool with it. So Did you learn um, any of those guys on trumpet? Not really. I mean, because like, those are, I don't know. I've never been that guy who's like, I just want to learn like, when the levee breaks. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not going to learn that like guitar melody on my trumpet. Like I wanted to learn stuff for the trumpet kind of. Right. Or like folk songs. I learned a lot of folk songs, right? Yeah. But, so I, I grew up listening to a lot of R&B and, um, you know, more popular kind of things like records that my parents grew up really digging. And they had great taste in music. And so, you know, like, I don't know, even like Paul Simon. I was checking out Paul Simon. Some kind of obscure people, but I wasn't really digging in like I would now, like studiously, you know? Yeah. Um, but besides those like maybe dozen albums that were just always on repeat. Um, so, yeah, we're good. Have you seen La La Land? Yeah, I saw that. What do you think of it? I mean, I had everybody tell me to see like, oh, you'll, you know, they said, oh, you, this will change your your life or you'll relate to this. And I watched it and I was like, this is just my life. I mean, this is just, these are, you know, concepts and scenarios that that I live every day. <laughs> so it didn't it didn't like rock my world or anything I watched it and I was like oh this is really well I mean, it was fantastically uh, produced um, there's like that one dance scene or whatever that's like five or six minutes long as one the one at the opening yeah, it was like their it was like their duet dance scene oh like, but they go to the minutes uh, into it. They go to the party yeah oh, oh you're talking about yeah. the tap dancing on the tap on the dancing hill. yeah yeah and and they're uh, that was all shot and and with one that was one take one camera one take Watch it again. It's incredible. And I knew it. I had read something about that before seeing it, so I knew that going into it. Yeah. Um, so I was waiting for it, and as soon as it started, I was like, oh, man, like, look, this is happening right now, you know? And so that was cool, and I those are some of my favorite actors, and the music I thought was pretty good. But the whole, like, jazz-splaining um, thing, like, have you ever felt like you were there? Having to be like... Yeah. Somebody's just saying, but Kenny G. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, so, like, my mom was telling me, you got to see this, because... Over the over the winter break or whatever, I would just there are times when I make some sort of philosophical statement, like something like they would have said in the movie, and I'm always like, see, that's why you gotta go see La La Land because <laughs> they they talk about that or whatever. So you could just write your own roles, you know, write something that's as interesting as you are, and you don't have to audition for this. Yeah. Uh, caca. Look at Louis Armstrong. You know, he could have just played the marching band charts that he was given, but he didn't do. That. What did he do? What did he do? Well, he made history, didn't he? Well, I'm going to stop auditioning and I'm going to make history instead. Well, my work is done here. I should probably tell you something now just to get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. I hate jazz. Are you okay? What do you mean you hate jazz? And, you know, she's heard me and everybody's, you know, heard jazz musicians say those things, you know, time and time again and go through those phases where they join that band where the guys are selling out or whatever and everybody goes through that and so it was just you know it's kind of neat to see some other artists you know film makers um sort of rendition of that yeah of of that life and see you know i mean the ending it was what it was i mean 
for such a saccharine movie, I was kind of pleased that it was a sort of bittersweet. Ending. Yeah, it was kind of bitter. Yeah, which, which was fine. You know, I mean, you know, they yeah. weren't, they didn't end up together, but they got what they wanted. So it was like the romance didn't work out, which I thought was just like a big like ha ha at like the artist's life because it's like okay, that you can, yeah, you can like you can get what you want out of it's work music, or love, but yeah, but you're not gonna get to. <laughs> The family life you wanted, or or whatever. I mean, yeah. but I guess the girl did. So, she, she, yeah, she, she was fine. She, she made out okay. But he had his bar. He had, um, a, he had his bar. I mean, I don't know. Did you see Whiplash? No, I didn't want to waste two hours of yeah, my life. Same director. Yeah. Frankly, I wasn't like crazy about the either movie. Yeah. Um, like the, it's gonna win Best Picture, and people are gonna adore it forever. Is it gonna? Of course. La La Land. It has as many nominations as Titanic. Isn't that crazy? That's so. I'm. That's just not right. I mean, there were so many better movies than that this year. I can't. Ah, oh, man. I mean, that's fine. That's fine. You know, stuff wins Grammys when it's not a great song, but yeah. You know. I mean, you should just expect La La Land to come up when when you say that you teach jazz, jazz from now on. Which is which is fine. I got a friend that just released a little cover video of some of their music yesterday, and it's probably music from the movie. Of, yeah, from the movie. That's oh. a smart thing. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah, dog. Capitalize on what that. People are people are digging. <laughs> okay, debut album is 2015. Identity Crisis. Mm-hmm. Anything coming up? Any, are you working on anything as far as like? Yeah, I, well, I came out with another album that was a little more low key than going iTunes, and it was just mostly digital. I didn't even press a hard copy, and that was with my nine piece funk band that came out last. You have a funk band? Mm-hmm. I didn't read that. That's yeah. awesome. Um, that and we came out with a record in September. That's on YouTube. You can listen to it for free. Album's called One Dimensional Man. And um, so it's jazz funk. Like what I what I call it when I write the, you know, the write ups for shows is that it's uh, we explore the traditions of funk and hip hop through a uh, contemporary jazz lens. That's what it is. It's like you know some hip hop and some funk, but with like a jazzy flair to it. Was that the same group you record? I I on YouTube I saw some Christmas traditional that you were. That's a different group. So okay. that was what I was gonna say. After that is that the next album I'm gonna release is this October, and that's a Christmas album, and that's gonna be big. Cool. Um, and that includes those tracks, and it'll have eleven on it, and uh, recorded some other tunes with uh, some guys from Portland. So. Is there a holiday song you're tired of playing? Not really. Is there anything like you're Christmas tired of playing? Music. Is there anything I'm tired of playing? I mean. I guess that relates to La La Land again, huh? Because he was in the bar and he would only be playing like Little Drummer Boy or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think what's fun about jazz is that it's kind of different every time. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, there might be a song that somebody might call like, oh, we should play this tune. And I'm like, nah, I just don't want to play it. But I wouldn't really say I'm tired of anything. No. Not really. It's a good point. That's yeah. beauty of improv. Yeah. So it's new every time. I didn't have this written down or prepared, but I find it interesting to sometimes ask musicians like, if you could play anywhere, if you had a dream venue, what would it what would it be? Hmm. Yeah, I don't like most venues. Yeah. I like house concerts. Okay. That's that's my that's my bag. <laughs> yeah. Um, not that I wouldn't be honored and flattered and say yes in a heartbeat to play at somewhere like the Blue Note or some big jazz festival, but I'm really sensitive to acoustic spaces and like I I don't like I mean. I'm cool playing anywhere. Like, I'll just play. And like I said about the whole disengaging my mentality, like, I, I've learned to uh, just kind of go, you know, whatever. Just play. And, uh, yo, sound guy, if, if you, you know, if I'm clipping the mic, like, that's your problem. I'm just going to play. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just kind of getting over it. And, like, oh, if my sound isn't resonating in this big open field on this hot July day, like, 
whatever, you know, people are going to hear what they hear and that's, that's that. But I feel like the music is happening the most in-house concerts and I've done at least a dozen of them over the last few years and they're just a blast and here in Eugene too here in Eugene yeah up in Portland uh California I don't know it's that's where it's at as far as I'm concerned um word so dream venue would be like you know just White House I don't know like you know (laughs) yeah oh yeah house concert where like the people there are you know really into the music I mean, I, I could be playing for 10 people, and if they're into it, that's that's great. Yeah. You know, I mean, honestly, that and that's what I live for. So, you know, it'd also be cool if they were, like, the prince of Siberia and, you know, the president or whatever. <laughs> I mean, that's that's cool, too. Usually at the end of interviews, I ask if there's anything else you'd like to add, but we've kind of been all over the map, so I don't know if, <laughs> if it really applies here. Hopefully I answered. Did I answer all your questions? You answered all of them. Okay, cool. Nicely cool. done. Thanks, Thanks for talking to me. Yeah, thank you. If you want to listen to some of Tony's original works, or to find out when and where he's playing in the future, you can visit his website, tonyglousy.com. To hear more from the Emerald Podcast Network, you can subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud, and listen to these episodes right on the Emerald homepage at dailyemerald.com. Now, here's Tony Glousy's Something to be Remembered for. Thanks for listening.